0: Well, I want you to take your Bibles, turn to 2 Samuel, chapter number 6 this morning. 2 Samuel, chapter number 6, and when you find your place, if you'll stand out of respect for the reading of God's Word, and we're going to read, we're going to start in verse 11 and read down through verse number 22 or 23, and now this is familiar, this is familiar territory. We were just here about two weeks ago as we brought a message on resolving disagreements and we used 2 Samuel chapter 6 with David and Michal and, uh, and the disagreement that they had. And while I was studying that and God was giving me that message, well, God gave me another thought that I want to share with you that I don't think I ever really noticed. But I want to share this with you if I could today. So 2 Samuel 6 verse 11. The Bible says the ark of the Lord continued in the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite three months. And the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all his household. And it was told King David, saying, The Lord hath blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that pertaineth unto him because of the ark of God. So David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom into the city of David with gladness. And it was so that when they that bear the ark of the Lord had gone six paces, he sacrificed oxen and fatlings. And David danced before the Lord with all his might. And David was girded with a linen ephod. And so David and all the house of Israel brought up. The ark of the Lord with shouting, and with the sound of the trumpet. And as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michal, Saul's daughter, looked through a window. This was David's wife, by the way. And saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, and she despised him in her heart. And they brought in the ark of the Lord and set it in his place in the midst of the tabernacle that David had pitched for it. And David offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. And as soon as David had made an end of offering burnt offerings and peace offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord of hosts. And he dealt among all the people, even among the whole multitude of Israel, as well to the women as men, to everyone a cake of bread and a good piece of flesh and a flagon of wine. So all the people departed, everyone to his house. Then David returned to bless his household. And Michal, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David and said, How glorious was the king of Israel today, who uncovered himself today in the eyes of the handmaids of his servants as one of the vain fellows, shamelessly uncovered himself?" And David said unto Michal, It was before the Lord, which chose me before thy father and before all his house, to appoint me ruler over the people of the Lord over Israel. Therefore will I play before the Lord, and I will yet be more vile than thus, and will be base in mine own sight. And of the maidservants which thou hast spoken of, of them shall I be had in honor. And the Bible says, therefore, McCall, the daughter of Saul, had no child unto the day of her death. You may be seated this morning. Let me ask you, are you comfortable today? And uh, now, this morning, to me, it felt a little warm here, and, uh, but it feels like they've got it regulated. How many of you are too cool? Raise your hand if you're too cool. All right, all right, we're going to pray for these backslid people. No, I, no, I'm, I'm, I'm picking, of course. All right, Brother Rick, keep a good eye on it, seriously, and because we want you to be comfortable, I don't want you to be too cool or too hot, because I don't want anything to distract you from this truth that I want to try to give you this morning, because it's that important. And so we want you to try to be comfortable today. I want to talk to you about this subject, seeing man instead of the master. Seeing man instead of the master. Let's go to the Lord, and we're going to have to move real quickly today because i got a lot of content, and we don't have a whole lot of time. So let's pray, and ask the Lord to help us this morning. Father, we thank you for your blessings. And I pray now, Lord, that you would uh, go with us into this preaching time and teaching time And God, we're so thankful for all that's been done today. The Sunday school was such a blessing. The fellowship has been second to none. God, we're so thankful for the great choir specials and and the good congregational singing and the wonderful song that Brother Abel just gave us. And Father, we're just thankful to be here today. I mean, it is a blessing. It really is a blessing. I'm not just saying that because I'm the pastor. Lord, it is a blessing for me to be here Lord, I pray now that you would knit our hearts together as we learn something from the word of God. I pray that Christ will receive glory and praise from all that's done. I pray that souls will be saved and that the saints of God would be built up in the faith. So fill us with the spirit of God and go with us now into this very important part of the service. Father, we love you and we praise you. We ask all these things in Jesus' precious name and for his sake we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. I meant to draw your attention to verse number 16. It's what I'm really interested in, and I'm interested in a line in verse number 16. The Bible says in 2 Samuel 6 and verse 16, listen to this. And as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michal, Saul's daughter, looked through a window and saw. King David. Now, I don't know if you know it or not, but we just read a very important passage. And I'm going to be honest with you. It's quite disastrous. It's a disastrous verse. I mean, it's a great verse. I'm going to be wrong. Everything in the Word of God is great. But the truth that we just saw in 2 Samuel chapter 6 and verse number 16, really sad, really, really sad. Get it again. And as the ark of the Lord, the ark of the Lord came into the city of David. Michal, Saul's daughter, looked through a window and saw King David. Now let me let me uh, real quickly, if I could, this morning, I want to offer you a little history on the ark. Now, when I say ark, when the Bible talks about the ark, we're not talking about knowing the ark. We're talking about the ark of the testimony or the ark of the covenant. In fact. I want to put a picture on your uh, screen here for you today, and not saying this is exactly what it looked like, but this would at least be a good, a good idea of what the Ark of the Covenant looked like. And I want to give you some history about the Ark, and, and I really believe that that will put this message into, uh, into some new light. So I'm just going to spit a lot of things out in here. Uh, for instance, the word Ark, A-R-K, the word Ark means chest or box, which is really what this was. What you see on the top is a lid, and uh, what you see at the bottom there is a box. That's what word, the word uh, uh, ark means. It was made of, uh, uh, of acacia wood, or shatim wood. It was a cubit and a half broad high, and um, let me start over. It was a cubit and a half broad and high, and two cubits long, and it was covered all over with the purest gold. So it was not super, super large, You may have saw something on television about this, and they made it out to be some kind of an enormous thing. Really, it wasn't that big at all. It was about two and a quarter feet wide and high, and it was almost four feet long. Not quite four feet, but almost four feet long. Its upper surface or lid was called the mercy seat and was surrounded with a rim of gold, and on each of the two sides were two gold rings in which were placed two gold-covered poles by which the ark would be carried. So they couldn't just pick this thing up. They had to pick it up with those poles because if you touched the ark, God would kill you. Uh, We may get into that a little bit later on here in just a moment. Over the ark, and we've been talking about this on uh, Wednesday night, so I thought this might be um, a little helpful to some of our folks who've been here on Wednesday night. Over the ark, at the two extremities were two cherubim. Uh, with their faces turned toward one another. Their uh, outspread wings over the top of the ark formed what was known as the throne of God, while the ark itself was considered his footstool. The ark was deposited in what was known as the Holy of Holies, and it was the most sacred compartment within the tabernacle. When I say tabernacle, the tabernacle was a tent, uh, that God told Moses that he wanted Moses to construct. And in that tent were several different compartments, And so one of those being the holiest place or the holy of holies. That was the part where this ark was housed. And, uh, and no one was allowed to look on the ark except the high priest, and that once a year. Um, its contents, in, in other words, what was inside, consisted of the two tables of stone in Deuteronomy 31, verse number 26, And according to Hebrews chapter nine, there was also a pot of manna. God sent manna in the wilderness to feed the Israelites. There was a pot of manna there and also Aaron's rod that, that budded. During the journeys of the Israelites, the ark was carried by the priest in advance of the host. In other words, as the Israelites would travel, the ark was always in the front. Oh man, that's a message right there. The ark always had first place everywhere they went. The ark was that box, that chest that symbolized the presence of God. Uh, In Joshua chapter 3 and Joshua chapter uh, uh, 4, the Bible talks about how it was borne by the priest into the river Jordan, and when the priest's feet touched the river Jordan, it separated. and uh, and it opened a pathway, and it enabled all the Israelites to cross over the River Jordan on dry ground. He was also born in the procession around Jericho. Y'all remember that? When the walls of Jericho came falling down. Uh, And as they went around the city once for six days and then seven times on the seventh day, the Bible says that they were instructed to, to carry the Ark of the Covenant. When carried, when the Ark of the Covenant was carried, it was always wrapped in a veil. The badger skins and blue cloth and carefully carried, concealed, even from the eyes of the Levites who carried it. And so every once in a while you'll watch some Bible program and you'll see them carrying the Ark of the Covenant and you can see the gold shining. That's not how they carried it. They wrapped it up, they covered it. It was too holy. It was too sacred. And so God instructed them to, to conceal it, to wrap it up as they carried it. Now, listen very closely. After the settlement of Israel in Palestine, the ark remained in the tabernacle at Gilgal for a season and was then removed to a place called Shiloh till the time of Eli the priest, where it stayed for about three to four hundred years. You say, Preacher, Hang in there with me. All right, I promise you, I'm going somewhere. But Israel became a wicked nation. And the Ark of the Covenant was stolen. It was taken. It was captured. You've heard of capture the flag. Well, the Philistines captured the the Ark of the Covenant. They believed, and it did. They were right about this. They believed the Ark of the Covenant gave, gave the Israelites great power. And it really did. It gave them, it was the presence of God, Jehovah God, and and so the Philistines captured the ark of the covenant but they only kept it for 7 months and they gave it back because the whole time they had it they were plagued with plagues and so finally they said we got to get rid of this thing i mean listen i don't know what kind of god this is i don't know what these uh, what kind of god these israelites are serving But we've got to give this thing back. And so they took it to a a place, a town called Beth Shemesh. And they left it at Beth Shemesh. Well, the people of Beth Beth Shemesh were glad to get it. But uh, as uh, they did, as we often do, they began to take for granted the presence of God and the symbol of God and the blessing of God. And so the people of Beth, Beth Shemesh decided, hey, we're going to look inside the ark and we're going to see what's inside of it. And so someone, I don't know who came up with that great idea, but uh, anyway, they took the lid off to look inside the ark, and the Bible says that God killed them. And so the people of Beth Shemesh decided they couldn't keep it. So they took it to a place called Kerjath-Jerim. Now, now now, hang with me. And it stayed in Kerjath-Jerim for another 20 long years. The point that I'm trying to make is this, that box that symbolized the very presence of God has been away for a long, long time. Oh man, preachers pray for me because I got about 10 different sermons coming to my mind right now. The presence of God had been away for a long, long time. I'm afraid that although we're living in a Christian nation, and we have churches all, all over this place. You know what, I'm afraid that in many churches the presence of God has been away for a long, long time. They have the song books, they have a Bible, they have a pulpit, they have a pew to sit in. But uh, you know what, they're there, the preacher's there, but the presence of God has been gone for a long, long time. And so this box that you see on the screen, the Ark of the Testimony, the Ark of the Covenant, that one that that God gave to Moses to to produce and to uh, create, that box symbolizes the very presence of God. now? And in 2 Samuel chapter 6, where we read this morning, it is finally, finally, it is finally, after many, many years, it is finally making its way home. To Jerusalem. And the Bible tells us that McCall, instead of seeing the ark of God, the symbol that represents the presence of the Lord, she totally misses it. And she sees David. When all eyes should have been on the presence of God, and most were, by the way, Michal's eyes were on a man. She totally missed an opportunity to see the ark of the Lord. I thought about that little story I've told, it's been a little while, but about the little boy, the little farm boy, and uh, they had a farm way out in the country, and the little boy saw a flyer or something. Uh, uh, that the the circus was was coming to town and he had never been to a circus before and seen a circus tent and all that. And so he said to his dad, he said, Dad, he said, could I go? He said, it's gonna happen on Saturday. Could I go to the circus? Could I go to the circus? And his dad said, well, I'll tell you what I'll do. He said, if you'll get up early, early, early and get all your chores done, he said, I'll let you go. So sure enough, the little boy got up on his own bright and early that morning, went and got all of his chores taken care of. He went to his dad and he said, Dad, almost, chores are done. He said, it's okay if I go to the circus. And so dad reached in his pocket and he pulled out a dollar bill. Well, that was the most money that little boy had ever seen in his life. And so he took that dollar bill and Man, he made a he made a, a beeline to the town where the circus was going to be, and sure enough, when he got there, man, the crowd was lining the streets, and here came the parade, and man, there were uh, there was a cage that came by that had lions in it, and there was a, another cage that came by that that had elephants, and and uh, and then he was just watching, and and he was just I mean mesmerized by all he was singing. and then a then a clown a clown came by, and uh, and he thought, man, this is just great. I mean, this is just the greatest thing that i've ever seen and so the little boy reaches down in his pocket and he pulls out that precious dollar bill and he hands it to the clown and he turns around and goes home what he didn't understand was this all he saw was the parade he never saw the circus you say, Pastor, what's that got to do with anything? You know what? Did you know there are hundreds and hundreds of Christian people that walk into the house of God every Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night? And, uh, you know, rather than experience God and experience the love of God and the conviction of the Holy Spirit and the power of God, they are so consumed with people and they are so, so consumed with a person and they are so concerned with a problem, they are so consumed with a predicament that they walk in the house of God and literally. Bit later they walk out of the house of God having never ever seen the war. oh my hey did you know that God wants us to experience him now as I was working my way through this scripture here and God began to speak to my heart I want to tell you this morning if I could real quickly I want to tell you what caused McCall to to see man instead of the master how about this first thing right here? Number one, I noticed that McCall's priority was not centered on God. Her priority was not centered on God. Now, wait a minute. Keep in mind, they're having a big celebration. That's why people are happy. That's why David is dancing. I mean, David, you know, he goes, I don't think you ought to dance. Okay, yeah, I, I, I get that, but I'm telling you, and I don't think David was doing the the dish rag twist or the skunk skedaddle either. I, I, think this was a, I think this was a holy dance. I think, you know what I think? I think David just got so, he just got so excited that the presence of God is finally coming home. And the Bible already tells us they're shouting and praising the Lord. And I believe that David just got so excited. He had to do a little dance. I'm telling you, man. Every once in a while, a little dance is in orders. You know that? I mean, I, I, I've had a few times where I just felt like doing a little dance. I mean, man, don't, let, don't throw me out of the bus. I'm telling you, man, sometimes, listen, maybe you don't serve the same God I serve. And I'm telling you, my God is so great. My God is so good. Hey, he deserves some praise. Yeah, That's so you understand that, man, it's why folks are celebrating and and folks are praising God. And yet we see here in uh, 2 Samuel chapter 6 that McCall's concentration is not on God, her concentration is on a man. Look back at your Bibles again. 2 Samuel 6, verse number 20. You know what I wrote? I wrote this down in my outline God is not even on her radar. Look at verse 20. Then David returned to bless his household. And Michal, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet who? David. And said, how glorious was the king of Israel today, who uncovered himself today in the eyes of the handmaids of his servants as one of the vain fellows shamelessly uncovered himself. You know what? God wasn't even on her radar. I mean, she didn't even have God in her mind. She was so consumed with what David was doing and how maybe he was embarrassing her. She was so consumed with that that she literally missed the Lord. Listen to me. Did you know that before we come to the house of God, we ought to work on getting our mind in the service? Now, they fired Coach Rivera, Ron Rivera, for the uh, Carolina Panthers. But I, you know what? There's one thing I love Ron Revere taught his team, and that's this, be where your feet are. He told his team members that. Be where your feet are. When you're here in practice, have your mind here. When you're here to play a game, don't be somewhere else. Don't be in a distant state. Man, when you're, listen, when you're on this field, be here. Man, that's good advice. Hey, Calvert, can I give us that same advice? Be where your feet are. Man, when you come to the service, be here. (laughs) You say, Pastor, that's stupid. No, it's not stupid at all. Hey, do what you need to do to try to get your mind in the service before you come. What are you talking about, Pastor? Listen, do some things that will help get your mind Christ-centered. Before you show up on Sunday morning, spend some time in this book right here. You say, well, pastor, I trust you. You'll give me the Bible when I come. I am going to try to give you the Bible when you come. But before you come, give yourself some Bible. Get in the word of God and ask God to teach you and ask God to help you. Spend some time in your Bible. Pray for the service. Hey, are you praying for the service? I don't think there's any, anybody critical in here this morning, but you know what? You know, you know what? A lot of time, church members have a tendency to, to criticize the choir, and, and well, the choir wasn't on it today. I'll tell you what, Brother Brandon, must I be having a good day today? And, and uh, you know, pastor, bless his heart, you know, pastor gave it a try, but boy, I'm telling you, what well, the old pastor wasn't really plugged in today. And, I mean, we, we sort of criticize, but let me say this. Did you pray? Did you pray for the choir? Did you pray for those that play an instrument? Did you pray for the Sunday school teachers that teach your class? Did you pray for your pastor that stands behind the pulpit? Did you pray? Did you pray? Did you pray? That's what I'm talking about. Before you get here, all listen, invest some prayer time into the service. Man, I am so thankful. I know you, you probably get tired of hearing me say this, but I am so thankful that I grew up in a Christian home And I'm telling you, church, I'm telling you the truth. Every time we got in the car to go to church, every time, every time, every time we got in the car to go to church, my daddy would say, let's pray. Let's pray. And he'd call on somebody in the car to pray. Let's pray. Let's pray for the pastor. Let's pray for the service. Let's pray for Sunday school. Let's pray for what's going on. Hey, spend some time in your Bible. Pray for the service. How about this? Listen to some spiritual music before you get here. You, you, see, you see where I'm going? Before you ever get here, get yourself prepped for the service so you, can, so you can receive something from the Lord when you come. My little mama, 89 years old, thank you to those who've been so kind to my parents. What a blessing y'all have been. On Sunday morning, this was just our I don't know. I even know why. This was our order of service on Sunday morning. We would get up. Mom prepared breakfast on Sunday morning. I'm talking about, I'm not talking about frosted flakes. I'm talking about bacon and eggs and biscuits and gravy. And, and we would get up on Sunday morning and we would eat breakfast together. And then I don't know why we did it, but we would always leave the dirty dishes. We'd just leave that until we got home from church. Mom would clean it up and then she'd, put the dinner, the, the lunch dishes out. And, uh, but after breakfast, we'd all go to our corners and we'd start getting ready for church. Well, you know what? I had three sisters. It took them about three hours to get ready. Y'all know that. But boys, little boys especially, it takes them about 30 seconds. And man, oh, I wish you could have been there. I'd run in there and I'd put my plaid, I'd put my plaid Sunday breeches home, go to meeting clothes. Come on now, with my 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 double my double hole belt and my patent leather purple and white shoes, and I'm telling you, yes, I mean I was dressed, brother, and all that took about thirty seconds, and I didn't hardly comb through my hair. <laughs> I had hair to comb back then too, believe it or not, and I and. And I'd just throw some clothes on and I'd go in the living room and I'd start watching Three Stooges. A little bit later, my mom would come in there and she'd say, cut that off. Mom, I'm just watching Three Stooges. Cut that off. That doesn't prepare you for the house of God. Oh, thank God I grew up in an old-fashioned home like that. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hey, it wouldn't hurt us to get back to that in America again. And she said, cut that off. That doesn't prepare you for the word. That doesn't prepare you for, the, for Sunday. That doesn't prepare you for what God wants to do in your life. Oh, listen to me. Before you come, man, get in the service. Get in the service. Invest some time in the service. So you can get something from it. Michael's priority was not centered on God. But look at this. And I want to stay here just for a moment. Number two. Number two, look at this church. McCall was not involved in the celebration. Now, do you understand this was a big event? I mean, this was quite the celebration. The ark of God has been away for many, many, many years, not just months, but years. It's been in evil hands. It's been in different locations. And now all of a sudden, the ark of the testimony is coming back to Jerusalem. Oh, this is a high old day. This is a special occasion. And man, they are celebrating. Look at it in your Bibles. 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 13. The Bible says in verse 13, it was so that when they that bear the ark of the Lord had gone six paces, he, David, he sacrificed oxen and fatlings. Verse 14, and David danced before the Lord with all his might, with all his might. And David was guarded with a linen ephod. So David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting, and with the sound of the trumpet. I know sometimes people come to Calvary Baptist Church and they say, man, what in the world's that about? I mean, I heard somebody shout. I heard somebody say, hallelujah. I heard somebody say glory. Hey, I saw those choir members raising their hand. didn't even have a question. What's all that about? Let me tell you what that's about. That's because we serve a great God who's alive and on the throne. Hey, that's because we know everything's all right in our Father's house and we've got a great book and a great Savior and a great heaven. And You know what? When you get to know those things, you want to shout a little bit look at verse 17 they continue to celebrate and they brought in the ark of the Lord and set it in his place in the midst of the tabernacle that David had pitched for it and David offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord and as soon as David had made an end into burnt offerings and peace offerings he blessed the people in the name of the Lord of hosts And I wrote this down in big, giant. You know, if if I have something in my outline that's really super important, I, I usually blow it up. And then I highlight it. I did that to this line. This is what I wrote down. Maybe if McCall would have been more involved in celebrating, she would have been less involved in criticizing. If she would have been more involved in celebrating, she would have been less involved... In criticizing. Hey, church, listen, when you attend church, get involved in the celebration. Determine to be a participator and not just a spectator. It's fun to participate, by the way. Now, you say, Pastor, what are you talking about? I'm glad you asked. I'm talking about being a participator. So when you come to the celebration on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, how about this? Several things I wrote down. Number one, determined to sing. Determined. Amen, Brother Brandon. Amen. You know what? We ought to make a new requirement for membership. That before you can officially join the membership of Calvary Baptist Church, you must lead the singing for three months. And after those three months, you might not want to join. Because if you have to see what Brother Brandon has to see, when he walked up here and says, all right, good to see you. Let's all stand and we're gonna sing. And uh, you'd be amazed to have the people that sit out there and never grunt. You say, pastor, I can't sing. I'm not a singer. I can't sing like Brother Abel. I can't play an instrument like uh, Miss Gay or Miss Tammy or, or, or these other uh, instrumentals. Okay, but you know what our Bible says? Just make a joyful noise. Man, just make a joyful noise. And I wrote this down, determined to sing, determined to sing to the Lord. You say, well, if I sing, preacher, Brother Rodney might hear me. You're not singing to Brother Rodney. Amen. Ephesians five nineteen: speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. So determined to sing. Number number next, I put this down. Determined to show some emotion. That's okay. That's all right. Psalm 150, verse six, let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Praise you, the Lord. How about Psalm 63, verse number four? Thus will I bless thee while I live. I will lift up my hands. Hmm. Wow. You mean that's a Bible thing? Yeah. I will lift up my hands in thy name. First Timothy chapter two, verse number eight. uh, I I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. You know what? Still to this day, to this very day, I can remember the first time I was in a service, my wife and I were in this service, first time I ever saw a man stand up in the service and publicly praise the Lord. My wife and I had driven down to Goose Creek, South Carolina, And they were having a conference down there, big conference. Man, we were so young in the Lord. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, wet behind the ears. Didn't know anything about the Lord. Hadn't been to Bible college or anything, but we knew we wanted to do something for the Lord. We knew that. And we knew that Jesus was worth being excited about. And I remember going down to this conference and we sat sort of toward the back. We had Zach and he was just a little, little baby at the time. And so we sat toward the back in case Miss Tammy had to, had to leave with the baby. And, and I remember the service got going that night. Man, it got going good. And one, they started singing. And I mean, a choir sang that night. And I mean, a preacher got up there. If I told his name, some of you folks should know him. And that preacher got up that night and preached with the power of God on his life. And I remember right over this direction, there was a man, an adult man, probably in his 60s, maybe his 70s. And I remember he just finally got all he could take. And I remember him standing up. I never saw that. He stood up in the service and just started praising God. And I was watching. I was captivated. Whoa. Wow. I never seen anything like that. But I like it. I like it. I've never seen that. I don't think I've got the guts to do that. But I wish I did. That looks like fun. Hey, I want to tell you something, church. It is fun. It is fun just to let your hair down and just praise God. You say, well, preacher, what so-and-so, who cares? what so and so thinks and so and so didn't die for you and so and so didn't save you and uh, listen, don't you let someone in this church quench the Holy Spirit. If God uh, tells you to lift your hand, lift your hand and if God tells you to say hallelujah, say hallelujah and if God tells you to shout a little bit, shout a little bit, you say, well preacher, if we keep doing stuff like that, they'll call us a bunch of holy rollers. Hey, well we want to be holy because he's holy and thank God my name's on the roll so I guess that's all right. Hey, just go ahead and praise the Lord. He's worthy. I'm talking about getting involved in the celebration. I said this determined to sing, determined to show some emotion. I wrote this down, determined to study scripture. What do you mean? Hey, listen, when you come, I'm not not picking on you this morning. We've got new, new, new people here this morning. Maybe somebody here this morning's not even saved. I'm not picking on anybody. But when you come to God's house, Bring this book with you. Bring the house of God. You say, you, you say, preacher, I trust you. I, I, I appreciate that. But you know what? It's important for your eyes to see it and to read it for yourself. And so bring the word of God. We're talking about getting involved in the celebration, determined to sing determined to show emotion, determined to study scripture. Are y'all, everybody okay so far? Okay, I haven't lost you yet. I might lose you on this one. So I'm just, I'm giving you a fair warning. I hope one of these days I can preach like Adrian Rogers, but so far I just ain't got there. Determined to sing. Hey, determined Determined to show emotion, determined to study scripture. Remember, next is this: determined to school your kids. Determined to school your kids. Teach your kids the importance of worship. Teach your kids the importance of listening. Teach your kids the importance of learning to be still. You say they can't be still? Yes, they can. And they will have to be. Sometime or another, they're gonna have to. I mean, life's tough. They're gonna have to learn these kind of things. You know, you might as well go ahead and start teaching them now. Hey, teach them, school your kids. That that what's going on right now is not. This is not the Mickey Mouse Clubhouse. This is not. This is not some kind of a MGM movie. This is not. Uh, this is this is big. What we're doing. What we're doing. I'm talking about preaching. Hey, I'm talking about this pulpit. I'm talking about this Bible. Hey, this is big. I said it's big. I said it's big. I said it's big. You say preacher, calm down. There ain't no time to calm down. And it's about high time some preachers got yeah, fired up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right well, you can't build a church anymore in 2023. Dog's hind leg, yes, you can too. Man, if, if you'd get some frostbite out of the pulpit and quit boring your people teetotally to death, And maybe stay off the golf course a day and stay in your study and get on your face and walk with God and get a message from God and quit playing golf and quit going to the lake and quit playing around and walk with God and get a word from God and a truth from God. And brother, when you get in that pulpit, let it rip. Wait a minute now. What are you saying? Teach your kids. This is important. When we were growing up, mom and dad made us sit in front of them. Am I telling the truth? Mom and dad made us sit in front of them or with them on the same few. And some of you folks, bless your heart. You've been to my mom and dad's house and you're, oh, pastor, pastor, your mama, she's so sweet. Your mama's so sweet. Oh, preacher, your mama's so meek. She's so humble. Pastor, she's like a lamb. She's like a lamb. Let me tell you something. Mama was not like a lamb when I was growing up. That's right. And so we'd sit, we'd sit in front of mom and dad and preaching me be going on. And I'd get a little distracted at something. Start playing around, passing notes, doing this and that. And all of a sudden my mom, and I don't know how she done it. She, my mom's got arthritis, terrible, terrible, terrible arthritis in her hands now. I think I know why she's got it. <laughs> because mama could cock that finger. It's like, you know, I mean, she cocked that finger. It was like a 45. it was like 45. And we'd be in front of mom and dad, and we'd get them miss baby a little bit, and mom would thump our ear. I mean, it was like, Durr. It was like, oh, man. I mean, I'm talking numb for three days. Man, she... And by the way, Brother Rodney, I didn't have to turn around and ask, Mama, why'd you do that? Are we okay this morning? Is just okay to preach a little while? I knew why she'd done it. You know what mama was saying? It's preaching time. The word of God is being proclaimed. Oh, I'm so serious about this. I got chills right now. Hey, you know what mama was saying? The man of God... The man of God who pastored that church for over 40 years yes. is standing behind that pulpit and he's trying to help you yes. and he's trying to keep you from disaster. Yes. And mama will say, hey, boy, you better listen up. Yes. Boy, we ought to get back to that in America again. Yes. We'd have a whole lot less crime and a whole lot less problems. You know, back in that day, parents didn't let you get away with a bunch of foolishness. Right. Benny Souther served in Canada for many, many years. His family served faithfully in Canada for many, many years. And Benny had a, oh, he had a weird, the way he said things. He'd come to Calvary and preach and he would say, power, power. He wouldn't say the power of God. He'd say the power, power. Power of God, power of God. Power. Well, you and your growth people know what power is, amen? But as kids, we sort of made fun of that. We'd say, power, power. And my little mom would say, let me tell you something. You better be careful about making fun of the man of God. You better be careful. Whew. I'm glad I came to church this morning. McCall, her priority was not centered on God. McCall was not involved in the celebration. We're done. But look at this. But look at this. Don't miss this. Look at this third thing. McCall's view was very constricted. Did y'all notice that? Look at 2 Samuel 6 verse 15. Wow. So David And all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord. There's that presence of God. They brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of the trumpet. And as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, McCall, Saul's daughter, looked through a window. Looked through a window, saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, and she despised him in her heart. Looked through a window. You know what it literally means? It means the piercing of the wall. A piercing of the wall. In other words, her view was very limited. You ever done this? How many have ever flown commercially? Yeah. You ever notice this? When you fly in a commercial jet, you don't have a a bay window? You have this little little window. It's It's about the size of that Bible right there. And sometimes it's hard to see out of that thing. And they don't, don't always have them right beside you. Sometimes they're up here just a little bit, or sometimes they're back here. And you have to bend way over and you have to look through that little that little window. Your view is very constricted. McCall had a major problem. She saw man, not the master. You know why? Her view was constricted. She had this little piercing of the wall she's looking through. You know what I believe? I believe it's very possible she could only see David dancing. She couldn't see why he was dancing. She saw him praising, didn't know why he was praising. That's all she could see in that little narrow, that little narrow window. That's all she could see. And yet, week after week after week after week, people come to churches like ours to experience the Lord. And they look through this little constricted window They walk into Calvary Baptist Church and they've got their eyes on a brother Rodney or a brother Mike or a brother Timmy. Friend, I love these men, but they didn't die for you. I love these men, but they don't forgive you for your sins. And yet people, thousands, thousands, walked into the house of the Lord today and never saw God because they had a person in view. Sister so-and-so, she just makes me sick. I can't stand her guts. You've got a problem. You know what you're doing? You're looking through this little window. And all you can see is sister so-and-so. Oh, boy, we're preaching good this morning. Or we walk into the house of God, and maybe it's not a person. Maybe it's a problem. And we've got this problem in our life. And I love what Brother Ackley used to say. It's not a problem until you try to handle it. He's the great problem solver. Hey, we're done. You can close your Bibles. We're done. We got to be done. I took, took too much time this morning. Anybody else like the Olympics to watch the Olympics? My wife and I do. We like to watch the Olympics. We like to root for America. And one of the things that we like to watch in the Olympics is something called crew, C-R-E-W, crew, or rowing. And there's these eight fellas in this long, slender boat, and they've all got rows. You know what I'm talking about? And they row. I mean, they've got it down to a science. I mean, all the, the paddles are moving at the exact same time. And these eight guys are in this... It looks like a long, long canoe and they're all racing to the finish line. There's dozens of other people out there that are competing in this tournament. You know the thing that's really interesting about rowing, Olympic rowing, is that not one, are you listening to me? Not one of those eight men can see the finish line. Not one of them, you know why? Their back is to the finish line. But at the very end of that boat, there is a team member called the coxswain. The coxswain. And <laughs> it has one of these little megaphones. And he's saying this, row, 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 row. And he tries to keep them in cadence. And he'll say, speed up over here, speed up, speed up. Row, row. And none of those, none of those men can see the finish line. But you know what they do? <laughs> they keep their eyes on the coxswain. Good. Because they know. He can see the finish line. And as the closer they get to the finish line, he roots them all. Oh, wow. wow. Have you got your eyes on the coxswain? If you've got your eyes on a person in this church, no matter how good or how bad, you got your eyes in the wrong place. Would you bow your heads with me this morning, Father? We thank you for your goodness. And God, we thank you for this message. Because as I was preaching it, you were speaking to my heart. Oh, Father, help me as a pastor not to get my eyes on anybody else, on anything else. I cannot get my eyes on a problem Father, I cannot get my eyes on a predicament. And I can't even get my eyes on a person. Father, today, help us to keep our eyes on the coxswain. Help us, Lord, to keep our eyes on the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Father, maybe somebody here this morning and in their past life, somebody hurt them. Maybe a family member hurt them. Maybe a parent. Maybe somebody abused them. Lord, it may be there's somebody here this morning and in their past life, a pastor deceived them. Somebody in the church cheated them. Somebody hurt them. And Lord, for all this time, like McCall, they've been looking out that little constricted window, consumed with this problem or this person or this issue. And Father, this is my prayer today, oh God, Help them to get their eyes on the coxswain. Help them get their eyes on the Savior. God, have your way in this invitation, please, and we sure thank you. And our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Let me ask a question or two. How many are here this morning would say, Brother Pope, Pastor, if I died today, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, I know that I am saved, and going to heaven... When I die, here's my testimony. If that's you, you just slip your hand up very quickly and you can lower it right back down. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Wonderful, wonderful. Great, 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 great. Let me ask you this though. How many are here this morning would say, preacher, in all honesty, I could not raise my hand. And if I died today, If I died before I made my way out of this service, Pastor, I'm not 100% sure that I would go to heaven. And I want you to pray for me. How many are like that right now? You just slip your hand up, just slip it up, and let me pray for you. Preacher, if I died, I'm not sure I'd go to heaven. Would you pray for me right now? Just raise it up, let me pray for you, and sort of wave it at me so I don't miss you. Preacher, pray for me, I'm not sure about heaven. Anybody like that here today? Preacher, pray for me. Pray for me. Anybody at all? Pastor, remember me. All right. Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed. A hey, child of God. I'm so glad you're here today. Can I ask you a question? What's in your eyes today? What are you seeing today, out of your little window? Are your eyes on the King of kings and the Lord of lords? Somewhere along the line, did you get your eyes somewhere they should not be? If that be the case, in just a moment, I'm gonna ask you to come and to do business with the Lord of lords. So would you stand with us all around the house with our heads bowed and our eyes closed? And I'm gonna ask our personal workers if they wouldn't mind making their way to the front this morning. Who needs to hit this altar this morning and say, Lord, help us to get our eyes back on the Savior. Lord, help me to get my eyes back on Jesus again. Off the problems. Off the issues. Off the imperfections. Who else? Who else? I wonder how many of you here this morning would say, Pastor, I really, I am saved. I've already testified to that, but I really, really, really need to rededicate my life to Christ. I really do. I'm not where I need to be with Jesus. I need to rededicate my life to the Lord. How many are like that? If that's you, right now, right now I want you to step out and come. You're here this morning, you say, Preacher, I've got this thing in my life. I've got this burden and it seems insurmountable. I don't know how we're gonna overcome it. Preacher, it's terrible. I've not told you about it, maybe, maybe you've not told anybody about it, but you'd say, I just need prayer. Oh, I need prayer, I just need somebody to pray for me. If that's you, just slip out right now, just come. Slip out, slip out. Let us pray for you today. Will you come, will you come? Preacher, we're not the member of a good Bible-believing, Bible-preaching church. And we feel it the will of God that God would have us join at Calvary. Hey, why don't you come? We'll be glad to talk with you about that. Or, preacher, I have been saved, but you know what? I've never followed the Lord in believer's baptism. And I need to make myself a candidate for baptism. Hey, if you'll come this morning, we'd love to talk to you about that. So while we pause, just for a moment, while we pause, you come today while we wait. If you're watching our live stream this morning, we're so glad to have you. Thank you so much for tuning in. There's a number on the bottom of your screen right now, 704-327-5662. And if you're not saved, if you don't know Christ as your personal Savior, would you call us right now? And we have some folks that are just right by the phone who would love to share the gospel with you and how you can know that you're going to heaven when you die. You may be watching this broadcast today and you say, Pastor, I'm saved, but I'm at the bottom right now. And I don't feel like I can go another day. Hey, if you'll call that number right now, we would love to pray and believe God with you. I hope you'll call us. So Father, we thank you for your blessings. And I thank you for the message and I thank you for all that you've, you've done on the altars. Heavenly Father, I pray that you might bring the increase from it. And Lord, still, if there are those here in this crowd that have never trusted Jesus, I pray today would be the day that they would come to a saving knowledge of Christ. And Father, save their soul. Save their soul. Have your way in the remainder of this time. And we sure thank you for it. In Jesus' name.